This is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Sheetal Tana, who's the Regional Medical Director for Population Health at Advocate Health. Dr. Tana, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Now, I'm really excited to talk to you. I know that Advocate is doing some really amazing things within their healthcare delivery system and population health as well. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. But before we dive into my broader questions, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. Uh, So I'm a family physician by training. I uh, grew up and trained at the University of Toronto in Canada. Um, And then I moved down to the U.S. and had been practicing in Elgin, Illinois for the entirety of my clinical career, which was 26 years. Um, I had the privilege of being a primary care physician, which um, I do have a passion for. And uh, I do believe that primary care physicians have such an incredible role in population health management and in driving healthcare outcomes. Uh, So I practiced uh, for 26 years. Uh, In the last seven years, I was working in an employed capacity with Advocate Health. And uh, Advocate was uh, wonderful in stemming the development of my leadership potential. I uh, realized that I had interests in quality and risk adjustment and optimizing chronic disease management. Um, I became a leader for uh, a primary care for one of the regions. Uh, and then last year, I moved into a new role uh, as the population health uh, medical director, initially over one hospital and now over the Midwest region. So spanning over uh, Illinois and Wisconsin. Um, I In my current role, I focus on quality, on health outreach, on risk adjustment, and making sure that chronic conditions are uh, accurately, appropriately, and regularly managed and documented. And I'm also involved in a unique project at Advocate where we are helping to transition independent primary care practices to EPIC so that um, we can optimize care across multiple care settings through a single EMR platform. So that's what I currently do. Wow, that's amazing. And such a variety of responsibilities in projects that you're overseeing. I think, you know, uh, when you were a practicing physician and then started to develop your leadership um, skills and grow your career in that way, what has been most helpful for you in in, um, going from a practicing physician and practicing employed physician to someone who's now a leader within the health system? That's a very good question. You know, as practicing clinicians, our main focus is our patients, first and foremost, and then our care teams. Um, As somebody who's in uh, leadership in population health, uh, we are not only thinking about uh, care teams and our clinicians and our patients, but we are also thinking about our payers. And so it's a very different conversation, and there's a constant balancing act 
between aligning, you know, what our payers are requesting of us and making sure that those are translated into incentives uh, and goals for our practicing teams. Um, hopefully, both of those are merging and going in the same direction, but sometimes it can be a bit of a balancing act. Absolutely. I can imagine it's definitely a, a delicate situation uh, to navigate on a consistent basis. And, you know, given where we're at in healthcare right now, I know it's been a tumultuous few years with the pandemic and then some of the other challenges, whether it's looking at the workforce or um, communicating with uh, uh, communities that may be skeptical of healthcare or, um, you know, trying to deal with inflation and financial challenges. What are your top priorities right now as you look at, you know, population health in really what can be most meaningful and impactful for the uh, communities that you're working with? So I believe that the top priorities in population health are about five at this point. Um, and I don't think that uh, we are unique in this respect. I, I know that many health systems will have similar priorities as we do. Um, I think, you know, first and foremost in population health, as I said, we are responsible for providing data to demonstrate the quality, the outcomes, and the utilization of our healthcare system along our payer contracts. And so it'd be very important for us to be able to capture that data and to make sure that it is accurate. Uh, as you are aware, in 2025, all ACOs will be required to report uh, electronic uh, quality measures or ECQMs, uh, you know, electronically as opposed to a web interface. And so it is important for us to have our data to be accurate and to be in that format in order to report it. Uh, a second priority is going to be to make sure that our clinicians feel well supported. You know, we, we do need to align incentives with our payer contracts and to make sure that our clinicians understand the why behind some of the requests that we make and some of the goals that uh, we create within our uh, quality uh, performance program, and uh, we want to make sure that they're well supported in achieving these goals. Sometimes, uh, one, you know, one of the other things we have to address are, is the health inequities and looking at the social needs of our patients to be able to access the health uh, care that we want to provide. So that would include things like, um, you know, looking at uh, housing issues, transportation needs, uh, food insecurities, you know, and, and a variety of other uh, social drivers that may impact their ability to access the healthcare that we would like to provide. We also wanna make use of our available resources. Advocate Health is a very large health system spanning across six states. And even within Illinois, you know, we have nine hospital sites and a variety of resources. And sometimes we feel like we're not doing a very good job of uh, letting our clinicians know what resources are available, and to highlight the use of those resources to optimize care. Uh, and as always, we are focused on the patient experience. We want our patients to uh, engage with our uh, health system and with our clinicians. We want to empower them to be involved in their own health care, and we want them to have a good and positive experience with our system uh, and to want to do more to better their health. I think ultimately, that is the partnership that we hope to create to really move the needle on health outcomes. 
Absolutely. I, I think that's such a great point in looking at all those different areas and angles for the clinicians, especially through this transition, I can imagine it's not always easy um, going from the fee-for-service model, especially, and then looking at how you can drive quality and outcomes and how that gets tied into um, pay and incentives aligning there. And then um, for the patients as well, I know expectations can sometimes be high in terms of how they're experiencing their healthcare journey. Um, and it really makes a difference when you're trying to to connect overall with the community, um, having the reputation of great patient experience is, is very important and crucial. So, you know, when you're looking at all these areas, um, I, I think it seems like the one big, I guess, through line is is the change aspect of it and, and needing to, to do some change. From, you know, the people side, how do you manage some of the, the change within um, healthcare providers who, you know, are having to do things differently than they did in the past or are seeing different accountabilities and metrics, um, you know, in the way that their performance is measured than they maybe did five or 10 years ago? Well, it's, uh, I think, no secret that um, in this country, we spend a large amount of money on healthcare. I think it's uh, 18% of our GDP. And we are not achieving the same outcomes as other first world countries. So when it comes to things like uh, maternal health or uh, even lifespan or outcomes with uh, chronic diseases, you know, we're not doing as well despite spending a lot of money. So it's very clear that our healthcare uh, systems all need to evolve. We currently have a landscape filled with changes. We are shifting to value-based care where we are being uh, forced in some way to show that we are making a difference, that we are improving better, uh, or sorry, improving the quality of care, improving the outcomes of that care, and reducing unnecessary utilization and reducing low-value care. We are having to meet the requirements of peer contracts. We are facing decreased reimbursements uh, in many specialties. Uh, we are seeing the change in the healthcare delivery model, uh, really decentralizing, I would say, the care delivery from perhaps the hospital or the traditional patient-physician interaction within an office setting to a team-based delivery model. And even care delivery settings are changing. So, you know, we need to evolve. There's a lot of moving pieces. Uh, and we need to constantly change to keep up with all these different requirements. As well, uh, you know, we do have a shortage of resources and uh, physicians, uh, advanced practice clinicians, nurses, and a variety of healthcare workers uh, since the pandemic. So we have to deal with that and, of course, inflation as well. So there's a, a lot to live up to here. Advocate, I know that we are fo we're focused on uh, you know, evolving to address this changing landscape. So we are doing our best to create a great environment for clinicians to practice. We have a new initiative called Best Place to Care, where we are uh, taking feedback from both our independent and our employed clinicians and our hospital workers and figuring out what their challenges and needs are, what are the opportunities for improvement and addressing those as possible to make this a better workplace. We are leveraging technology when we can. I think over the next two or three years, we're gonna see increased utilization of 
tools within the electronic medical record to improve uh, the uh, documentation and reduce the amount of time spent in our EMRs. We are going to use technology in the way of wearables where patients can uh, be using devices at home and the information can be tracked and transmitted to their clinicians. We are going to have to partner with vendors that can provide electronic solutions to improve care and address the resource shortage that we face. I think that when it comes to the social needs of our patients, which I referred to earlier, we have to partner with our community resources. There's not only resources within a health system, but within the community in which we all serve. And I think that we need to partner with those resources so that we can reach our patients and really provide that team-based care delivery model to improve health. Um, we really should be focusing on the patient experience uh, at all times, uh, because without that partnership and engagement from our patients, we really aren't going to make a difference in outcomes. So I think uh, with that, health systems need to evolve to address, I would say, both extremes. Some of the younger and more tech-savvy patients uh, may want virtual options for healthcare. They may want more electronic interaction with their healthcare system or their clinicians, maybe via mobile apps and so forth. Some of our older patients may want a more personalized approach to their healthcare and may not want to interact so much electronically. So I think as a healthcare system, we are uh, really striving to address both of these needs. And lastly, I think we do need to evolve to decentralize care. Um, we are going to see a change, I believe, in the next five years about where care is provided and that traditional model is changing greatly. Uh, I think we're gonna see more care being delivered at home and Advocate is already uh, very well experienced in a, a home care program as well as an Advocate care at home where care is being provided at home. We are devising a number of programs to provide uh, care in patients' homes. And then I think that uh, I th in the next few years, you're going to see more of the hospital at home programs uh, developing around the country where, uh, you know, we can provide virtual care or even in-person visitation from clinicians and nurses and have the medical resources and uh, technical devices at home to be able to get that hospital level care for certain conditions at home. So lots changing in the healthcare landscape. Absolutely. That sounds fantastic. And certainly, you know, in looking at what the potential is um, to really care for patients better and in a way that's more uh, cost effective and leads to better outcomes, you know, it, it's just amazing to see that transition. And thank you so much for talking through all the different areas where Advocate Health is leaning in um, to, to make sure the population is cared for. I think it's just amazing to, to see and think about now, before we wrap up our conversation here, I was wondering if you could talk through, you know, what, what is one change that you or your team has made in the last year or so that's yielded great results? I think certainly looking ahead, there's a lot of possibilities and potential, but would love to hear from your perspective just about a success story and something that, you know, could inspire some of our listeners and other health system leaders as they're thinking about, you know, some of the big challenges coming up in population health. 
Certainly. Uh, one example that comes to mind is our partnership with an, elect, uh, an IVR system. Um, and what that involves, that's an interactive voice recording program. Uh, we currently partner with Cypher Health. And, uh, you know, I think whenever we're thinking about solving healthcare problems, we first need to identify what the problem is. What are we trying to solve? So, you know, one of the things that we've been working on is how do we help patients transition from the hospital setting back to their homes? And again, when we look at, you know, the need to evolve, I think that this kind of problem solving really looks at those things that I talked about earlier. You know, how do we provide a better patient experience as they're transitioning back to home? How do we help our clinicians to help their patients transition to home? How do we leverage the technology? Um, and how do we decentralize the care? So, you know, when, when we decided to partner uh, with an IVR program, we basically uh, provided uh, scripted telephonic or text messages for outreach after a patient is discharged from one of our hospitals. And our initial pilot uh, identified low and moderate risk patients. And uh, what we would do is when the patient went home within two business days, mostly on the day that they did go home, we would contact the patient with an IVR program. Um, and the program would ask the patient uh, multiple questions and ask for a prompt, either a voice prompt or they could use, um, you know, the, the numbers on their, their phone device. So our prompts asked about things like symptoms, uh, clarity of discharge instructions, whether they were okay with their medications or whether their durable medical equipment had been delivered, whether there were safety concerns for them in their home, such as a fall, um, or whether there were issues with social needs like transportation. And when a patient would uh, indicate that there was an issue, an alert would fire and be transmitted to our dashboard uh, where our nurses were waiting by and would identify who the patient was, what the concern was, and be able to call the patient back within a set amount of time. So we were able to staff this program 24-7 with our nurses. And uh, what we noticed is that, you know, first of all, the patients were very responsive. We had a very high engagement rate to this program. We then continued to contact the patients for 30 days post-discharge. And I think most of us are familiar with, you know, the penalties for patients readmitting within 30 days. It is... Uh, not financially uh, good for that to happen, but it's also terrible for the patient to have to be transitioned home and then bounce back into the hospital. It, that's a terrible experience. And so what we really wanted to do is reduce that from happening. Um, and so with this care transitions program, what we noticed is that the number of times that the patients would press the alerts decreased over the course of those 30 days. Patients would be called four to five times during that 30-day period, and each time there is a, a decreased number of alerts. And what that means is we were addressing their concerns. The second is we were looking at readmissions, and we dropped the readmissions by 10%. So we were basically engaging our patients, improving their transition and their experience, 
and reducing utilizations and improving the outcome. Uh, and so this was a, a definitely winning program and we hope that we can uh, now implement this program system-wide for every one of our discharges. Uh, so I really feel like this is the kind of thinking that we need to do in healthcare to identify all the challenges in the moving landscape. That's amazing, Dr. Tana. I think, you know, certainly the results that you showed there prove how valuable it is to have those types of partnerships and different initiatives that um, can really make an impact and make a difference for, for patient care. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fun and interesting discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I enjoyed speaking with you as well. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm -hmm.